Oh my God, they let us back inside the podcast warehouse. It is the Questions Hip Hop Trivia. I'm your host, Sean Kantrowitz, and this is another episode. It's a classic episode. Let me give you a little background. When I saw last week that my fellow Stony Island Audio uh, brethren, both Open Mike Eagle's Secret Skin, as well as the Dad Bod Rap Pod, featured rapper Psalm One on the show, I was like, wait a minute, did I miss the Stony Island memo? Are we celebrating the MC and now author that is Psalm One with all the Stony Island podcasts this week? Maybe I didn't see the bulletin board in the kitchen. You know, I only go in there on my breaks and I don't always pay attention. I'm kind of just zoned out, seeing what's in the fridge, then going back to my desk. And then it made me realize, wait a minute, I had Psalm One on the questions. And, you know, I've Part of the mission of this podcast is not just to continue to do new things, have new guests and new programs like our Making Nomadic series, but it's also to unearth a lot of these broadcasts that were previously only available on Instagram Live, which is not a very ideal way to watch long-form archived content. So I dove back into the archives and found this episode. This was episode number 17, recorded April 22nd, 2020, barely a month into the pandemic with Psalm One. At the time that she appeared on the show, she had released a couple projects, but she is very prolific. And in the past few years, she's released many albums and EPs and singles, both as a solo artist, as well as in various groups, uh, Rapper Chicks and Big Silky. Probably missing another one, but uh, she she's very very prolific as an artist. But her latest project is not music at all. It's actually a book, a memoir called "Her Word Is Bond." It's a fascinating read. It details her journey in the music industry and in the independent scene out of Chicago, and uh, signing to Rhymesayers Entertainment that released her first sort of national commercial release, "Death of Frequent Flyer." Which fun little tidbit. I reviewed that record and gave it a glowing review for OK Player back when it was released in 2006. But I digress. I plowed through this book. I read the entire thing in less than 24 hours. And that's because Sam has a compelling story, not just because it's really cool to hear about the inner workings of the music industry, as nightmarish as that can be for any indie artist, and not just because she's a huge hip hop head, which is made immediately evident from the opening chapters of the book, but also, you know, as a black queer artist, she has had a very interesting perspective and it's, I think, an important story to hear. She's very honest, and I would say not just about all of the showbiz things that you might anticipate would be in a book like this, but very honest about herself, too. You know, there's a lot in there about her relationships, um, drugs, and she's not afraid to talk about the various chapters of her life, you know, the amazing things she's done, things that, you know, she might consider to be mistakes today. It's a really good read. I recommend that you pick it up. Her word is Bond. It's available wherever you can get your books. Anyway, this episode was recorded before that book was a reality. She was working on it. I would estimate by the timeline she was probably, you know, in the editing or maybe still first draft stages of writing the book. But we talk about a lot of the things that she later covers in the book and more. You know, there's obviously hip-hop trivia. Uh, It's funny we actually, at this point early in the question's history, we're still using that point system. So, you know, I I can confirm that I believe she got 11 out of 15 correct. But back then we were 
assigning weird, pointless points, I suppose, to our guests as they were on the show. A lot of great stories in this one. I think you're going to enjoy it. It was fun to revisit, even though a lot of these early Instagram episodes definitely are akin to looking at very old yearbook photos for me. I still was sort of trying to figure it out. There were also some technical difficulties. Instagram, look, Instagram Live was not, in an ideal world, not the best way to conduct a show. But at the time, it was magic, and it absolutely helped get us to where we are today. You listening to this podcast, so it's not a dig on Instagram. It's just, you know, we had to outgrow it. We're on to bigger and better things. Speaking of bigger and better things, have you joined the Questions Patreon yet? I'm talking about that super secret exclusive club. Well, I guess it's not really a secret. I'm talking about it. All respect to Mike Eagle. I think I might be subliminally taking that secret thing from this whole secret skin club. But I digress. The Questions Patreon is an amazing place. For $5 a month, you can not only support the show that has provided you with all this listening that you've been doing. Shout out to everybody who's been listening to the podcast and the shows thus far, but also bonus content, early access to content before it comes out to the public, video, things that don't make the actual episodes, playlists, essays, so much more. It's it's like a group chat of the people that you would love to talk about hip-hop nerdship with. So I invite you to join the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. You can go to patreon.com slash thequestionshiphop. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to this here podcast and rate and leave a review. Doing so helps us stand out and beat the evil algorithm. Do it right now. Pause this podcast, write a review. All right, we're going to get into it. This is The Questions, hip-hop trivia, classic episode with Psalm 1. Let's do it. Who did it first? Who did it best? Who did it worst? That's the question. Who rapping there? That remix and what happened when? That's the question. Let me ask you a question. And if you ain't know what needs, then my guys know what you need. Some answers to the questions. So we're so happy to have you. Uh, we've had a lot of different people on the show. We've had Merz, we've had Open Mike Eagle, we had uh, we've had journalists, we've had DJs. Um, and we think you're going to do great at this game. We're really happy. How are you feeling about this? I feel, I feel like if I get some shit wrong, people are going to like cancel me or something. Well, but you're all about being canceled. That's what your last song was about. So I guess I have nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah, you're leading into it. All right, so uh, if you're ready, let's dive into this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, our first round is called The Choice is Yours. This is multiple choice questions. They're worth five points each. Uh, some contestants like to lean on the chat, but I will tell you, sometimes the chat doesn't know as much as you wish that they knew. So, at your own discretion. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, our first question is, before becoming Instagram's number one DJ, D-Nice cut his teeth as a member of this crew. Was it Boogie Down Productions, Def Squad, Juice Crew, or Digital Underground? What was the crew that D-Nice first got into the rap game with? I think it was BDP, right? 
I can't answer that firmly, but if that's going to be your answer, which I think you sound pretty confident about, I can confirm it was BDP. That's right. Yes. I remember seeing him in uh, I'm going to get you sucker. That's how old I am. <laughs> Have you been watching his uh, live streams as a DJ? He's he's actually he actually saved the night uh, 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 last week. He did a uh, he did a slow jam and he did a deep dive into Stevie Wonder. Oh, Stevie Wonder! If you know me, you know Stevie Wonder is like my number one fave. Like yeah, like number one. So he did like a deep dive, Stevie Wonder, and uh, I was like very drunk that night, and it was just he saved my life that night. For sure. A DJ saved my life, and it's been happening a lot. Yeah. Shout out to everybody watching this, because there's literally 30 DJs that you could be watching right now. There's no shortage of life. Yeah, there's no shortage. <laughs> so, you know, we're hoping we can do a little something to, to stand out a bit, uh, you know, by not being DJs here. But, you know, we appreciate you guys watching something a little different. There's room for everybody. It's all good. All right, we're going to move on to our second question of the night. The second question. Talib Kweli has released full-on collaborative albums with all of these artists except for one of them. Is it Most Def, Gene Gray, Styles P, or Madlib? Who has Talib Kweli not put out a full collaborative album with? Damn, he definitely put out one with Most Ivy, Black Star, Styles. I remember that coming out like not the in the not too uh, not too past past. Mm. Gray, he had, they were label mates. And Madlib, that makes sense because it'd be like a producer, uh, rapper thing. As much as I want to say, I'm just saying, if I get it wrong, I'm canceled. It don't fucking matter. I'm going to say he did not do a collaborative full-on album with Gene Gray. Okay, so I'm gonna do the answer reveal here, so we can we can actually hear the answers here. You you said it first. Obviously, everybody, most people first got to know Quali through Black Star. So he has worked with Most Def, obviously. Right. Mad Lib. He did a project with the Liberation album, which was a free album. Yeah. He did the Styles P. So you know, the only one he didn't was Gene Gray. They were later. Deductive reasoning, you know, you you walked us through the process there, so that was that, that was good. Some 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 somebody in here needs to know. Somebody needs to know. You uh you are no stranger to collaborative projects and albums. You have your group that you've been working with. Can you tell us a little bit about the group and what you've been working on? Um, Big Silky is the new group. It's actually not a new group. It is just an offshoot. Uh, of Sorry. That we put together in um, 20, uh, 2014. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're down, we were down to like two members, rest in peace, Henny B. And uh, we just decided, Angel and I, to just continue to work, her and I, but with the sentiment of what Rapper Chicks was about. So, Big Silky is the duo, um, the offshoot of Rapper Chicks. So, yeah, yeah I'm looking excited about that. We just released the seven track. EP um, on the 10th of April, and uh, it's it's on my Bandcamp, song1.bandcamp.com now. Check it's, it out. Like, it's live on Apple Music, but we're going to do, like, a whole promo thing when it's, like, on all the DSPs, but, but if you want to, like, support um, and purchase it, it's definitely on my Bandcamp. <laughs> Shout out to Optics. Me and Optics put out a, a project, the first project we did in 2020 is called Before They Stop Us, 
it was one new song and three songs from the vault that we had been holding on to and thought that they were perfect for now. And um, we put that out on uh, March 20th. They, they waived their fees and it ended up being a really dope thing. So, Amazing. Yes. All right. We're going to move on to the next question in our round. This question is, in 2018, this artist became the first rapper to win a Pulitzer Prize. Was it Common, Jay-Z, Nas, or Kendrick Lamar? That's easy. Uh, D, Kendrick Lamar. That was a, that was a huge deal, because a Pulitzer is a literary, uh, huge literary achievement. Uh, and it's not to be taken lightly. And I loved it that the literary world, some people that were like a little touch-up for everything, they fucking hate it. Yeah. is a fucking wordsmith and a, and a scholar of this shit and well-deserved. Absolutely. Whenever somebody can be recognized for their efforts and also get under the skin of some, uh, you know, tightly wound Just idiots. old guard, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's dismantling the institutions. Exactly. We're all about that. All about that one, you know? <laughs> but, but also while recognizing and honoring the institutions, because we're not shitting on Pulitzers, but, you know, just open up the doors a little bit, you know? Like, there's enough Pulitzer in there for other people. <laughs> Come on, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to the final question in our first round of song. Okay. This rapper <laughs> was the first solo female artist to have an album go platinum. Was it oh. Lil' Kim, Queen Latifah, The Brat, or Foxy Brown? Who was the first to have an album go platinum? The album, not the single. Not a single. Boy, Okay. I'm going to say Little Kim. I okay. feel like, because all respect due to Queen Latifah, I think she had big singles. Not sure she had the whole album. Different eras, the, too. I'm from Chicago. Functified was huge. She had a couple other singles. Not sure that whole album went platinum. I'm definitely going to go with uh, Lil' Kim, because I feel like the whole the whole hype surrounding Biggie, and then the whole, um, the hardcore poster, I think boosted sales quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, I'm thinking it's, it, it, it's Lil' Kim. She says Lil' Kim. The answer was the oh, brat. Yeah, I got the female rapper one wrong? Oh, hey, listen, I mean, we had to uh, throw one in there, but it, it was good guess, but yes, uh, Functified did go platinum before... Before Lil' Kim, uh, I, I believe Lil' Kim went platinum as well. But yeah, the brow was the first. Um, was she like the shit in Chicago coming up? Like, was she revered as like a hometown hero? It was funny. I got a funny story about that. Like, I was, li I was a little kid and we went to the Regal Theater, which is like a huge, um, a hugely um, important historical venue in Chicago on the south side. A lot of, um, a lot of people got their careers like like catapulted there. Um, and I went to see Criss Cross. And mm. Jermaine was there. And he was like, oh, are any female rappers in the crowd? And the brat came up and did this rap and got signed at that show. Now wow. I found out that although she did get signed in that way, they were on a promotional tour where like they would reenact that every night. Ah, so it was almost like a pre-like American Idol almost. Right, and she would get signed on the spot. But the what the wow. show I saw in Chicago, something tell me that might have been the first time that happened because she's from the shy. Right, and she 
got signed on the spot and like maybe six months later Funkify came out like it was a real thing it was a real thing that's crazy you could that could never like they could never pull that off today in social media too land much like <laughs> too much internet yeah yeah there's too much internet it was a it was a beautiful time before the internet but yeah wow that's crazy you said it was at the regal theater you said the regal theater in chicago that's when i saw that that whole thing go down that's amazing um, yeah, I don't know if it was like a rebroadcast of, the, you know, of what, you know. We'll but, say that it was yeah. the first time. We'll okay. say it was the first time. That might have been the first female, like, I saw, like, maybe get on stage and rock a huge crowd like that. I mean, I wasn't going to a ton of hip-hop shows as a child. Sure. But, like, um, but I remember that show distinctly. We were there to see Crisscross and, like, ended up seeing, like, a young DeBrat get signed. So. That's amazing. Now, I only have one story. What did you say? I said, now I feel real bad for not knowing that that album was. Hey, back. it's okay. We're here to learn, you know. I, it's a great story, <laughs> yeah. too. I uh, I only have a story about the Regal Theater. When I was a kid, uh, it was just a Regal Cinema, and I saw She's All That uh, in the movie theater. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not as impressive. Yeah. Not, not really a great story. But, hey, you know, just keeping it moving. Um, all right, we're moving on to our second round, and the second round is called Picasso Baby. These now are worth <laughs> 10 points. So what it is that we're going to do is I'm going to show you a little piece of an album cover, and you have to ID what the album is by the little piece that you see. So this is all about your familiarity with album covers. How are you feeling about this? I feel like I'm going to get canceled again, but let's see what's going on. What's happening. I mean, I'm presenting it like it, it's an option. If you don't have an option, we have to do this. The game has already been set. <laughs> but I just I want to make sure that you know, you're not freaking out too much here. All right, so our first one, you have to identify what album cover is this. It's pretty abstract. Whatever it is, it's hand-drawn. It seems to be some white with black circles on it and red and green streaks or stripes sort of uh, adorning the front of one of the tiles. Is it Talib Kweli, The Beautiful Struggle, De La Soul, The Grande, The Far Side, Plain Rap, or A Tribe Called Quest? We got it from here. Thank you for your service. Uh, that's, a, that's D. She says D, little hesitation. And she's right. That is the last no, Tribe Called Quest album. album. Great album. Also, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be petty, but definitely it was D. <laughs> uh, so you were a big fan of that record. Yeah, great, great, great uh, effort. Great, you know, salute, uh, rest in peace to uh, Five Thousand, of course. You know. I don't think there's any group in any genre really that could take so long between albums and come out that strong, like. That was way better than that record needed to be, you know, like, it, 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 yeah. I loved it. You know what, I probably, that, that album probably hit so weird and great right now, I might have to run that, run that, you know? Yeah, because it, it was such a dark time, too, because it, it came out right around the election. Uh, so, like, it was yeah. sort of, like, it was a very political album and also felt, like, very pressing, but also, like, kind of, you know, like, I would say darker than any Tribe album that I had ever heard, you know, like... Albums have been known to get a little dark, if you know, you know. But yeah, this one was definitely there was a heaviness to it, and also I think it's you know when your friend dies, it's not. Absolutely. All right, we're moving uh, on to the next question. What album right. cover is this? It seems like it's a black sort of spacey background with purple and yellow light and various objects, including a laptop, sort of diagonally flying around. Is it? Okay. Public Enemy, Fear of a Black Planet. E-40, The Hall of Game, LP, I'll Sleep When You're Dead, or Lupe Fiasco, Food and Liquor. You seem like you already know. It's D, because I have this album, too. 
And I remember like Lupe is like floating amongst the things. Yeah. Yes. It's uh yeah. honestly by 2020 standards, looking at it, it's maybe not the best album cover. Like it's a little like I'm not I'm not I'm not judging the album itself and no disrespect to Lupe, but like looking at it now it's like uh, Futuristic, it's a lot of future going on. <laughs> yes, future, the problem with futuristic is that it doesn't always age well when you get to the future. You know, it's like, ah, oh, that's what they thought. Uh, Lupe's another Chicago, uh, you know, uh, homegrown Chicago MC. Did you have any, like, w where were you at in your life when he was starting to pop? And do you have any, like, you know? I started popping. I mean, I didn't pop as big as Lupe, much respect, but. 2006, I believe, is when that album dropped, and that was when my uh, Rhyme Shares debut dropped. Death the Frequent Flyer, yep. I was touring artists at the time, and it was like me and Lupe, and maybe uh, I, feel, I feel like maybe some people out there have heard of uh, the rapper Diverse. Yeah. Really super talented guy. Uh, I think it was like us three in 2006 that was touring nationally and getting those kind of looks. So there are a lot of articles. You can even go back and Google it. There's, you just put Lupe Fiasco Psalm 1 in a Google search. It was like hella shit. So I met him a couple times, opened for him a couple times. And I I definitely look at that year where Lupe started to pop as a year where I started to find some national attention too. And it was great to look at him because I could see like, damn, you could take it even this far, you know? Right. Yeah, that was that was an incredible era. And I, I remember that, too. I remember all those. I, I remember getting your record, getting his record. Um, I, we might have to go into a side tangent of this because I've actually thought about this for a minute. We can get into this after. Okay. Where is Diverse now? Like, like, what is is he still making music or do you know or he actually has been doing producing and doing. I know he did some rock stuff on the low. Um, but that was actually, I haven't talked to Diverse in maybe three years. Yeah. But, you know, I go check in on him in Chicago, like, and go, like, sit with him, listen to new stuff. Like, we had a couple of songs that we were going to do together. It just never came to fruition. Um, he's, like, a real mad scientist type of dude. Um, quite a perfectionist in that and he self-proclaimed at that. So it takes him a little longer to put out stuff. But, you know, he's still, he's still active. The releases, you know, actually releasing stuff to the public, that's not as frequent. But yeah, right. he's definitely active making music. Yeah, his album was so dope. I still play back a lot of those. He had like the ill RJD2 uh, beats on there. Oh, yeah. and... and he was one of the first people in Chicago, like the in the indie, like underground, who was getting like bigger name rappers on his stuff. And I remember people being mad about that shit. <laughs> Oh, how you gonna go get most deaf? It's like, why wouldn't you if you had the opportunity? If you can get most deaf, get most deaf. It's like, it's like no, because it's too not indie. It's like, whatever, man. Like, I, I love, I love that whole record. Now you are an artist who's been super prolific. I think compared to a lot of your peers, certainly compared to a diverse, certainly compared to a Lupe Fiasco. I mean, you have like you put out a ton of projects, albums. Like, have you always felt that way, or was there a certain point where you like? Like, is it a conscious decision to put out, like, a lot? Because a lot of artists, like, they kind of like to hug the material more. So when I see somebody who has a really deep discography, it makes me think either you just naturally do that or you're kind of combating that inner... Because, you know, like, artists have, like, an inner critic a lot of times where it's like, sure. oh, like, maybe... So how does that process work for you? Um, I think before in my, in my, like, before I signed, like, my first deal, I was really just into, like, focusing on one thing, um i released the death of frequent flyer and then after that after that it was just a lot of like mixtapes tour tapes yeah. um and then around 2010 i had a friend tell me like look if 
if the bigger release ain't coming out, you can still put out smaller releases. This was right when, like, uh, Napster failed, but, like, right. you could start putting stuff out on, like, Bandcamp and stuff like that. And it would just be, like, I did the Woman at Work series, and that just kind of, like, snowballed into other things. And I was doing the Hug Life stuff and still wasn't putting out more than, like, maybe one, maybe two projects a year. I think... Um, in the past, I would say, two years, I realized I should not be scared to put out music. I'm fucking dope. Right. You know? If I don't get a million sales, who the fuck cares? Especially considering now, look how even and leveled out the playing field is getting. Like, shout Absolutely. out to Open This time is going to really teach people how independent you really are. Um, I've always been fiercely independent. I've if you know anything about my career, I've had some issues in my career with, you know, just creative differences, label shit, nothing that was like uncommon for a lot of artists. Sure. But I think by taking my shit in my own hands and also working with fucking amazing artists, amazing producers, amazing musicians and other rappers and being able to be like, no, I know how to make music. I know how to make music. I know how to put it out and I know where to put it. Amazing. So, if I'm not getting, you know, those huge numbers, I can still eat. Like, I can still wake up and make music. And the fan base that I've cultivated, they're fed. And that shit makes me happy because it's like making a living off rap music is like one of the hardest fucking thing can do, statistically. Yeah. Blessed to be able to do this. And I think having that realization and then hollering at optics, what's up, optics? what's up what up optics Alex, i see y'all in here but like optics was what's up the beats he's like i'm ready and then i hopped on a plane and we did a bunch of shit and it was like okay now i'm not beholden by this pressure of thinking that maybe another entity or company is going to put out my music i'm putting my shit out so it's my deadline and it's my process and i just find people who want to work and can be efficient doing it and me and Optics have been saving so much, so many songs. So it was like, when I was ready to green light stuff and really finish stuff, I think he was like, oh shit, let's go. So, you know, it's been on since yeah. then. And I put out six projects, not six full projects, but I put out like four small projects, one album and two singles since last year. And that, you know, that's, that's, that's more, more than um, you know, previous years. Um, but I'm working out of pace shit either. So this is kind of just what the pace is now. That's amazing. That's awesome. All right, we're gonna move on to our final question in this round of our Picasso baby round. This is another kind of abstract one, but it's a bunch of spheres, one of them looking like a giant eyeball sort of floating in the air on a white background. What album cover is this? Is it Diggable Planets, Blowout Comb? AC Alone, no. All Balls Don't Bounce, Q-Tip, The Renaissance, or Fuji's Blunted on Reality. Okay, it's not Diggable Planets. Diggable Planets had the blue with the pink and all that. Okay. It's not Q-Tip, The Renaissance. I feel like that might have been a little bit more jaggedy and like he was on the cover. I don't know if it was that food. I think it's B, AC Alone, All Balls Don't, don't Bounce. She's saying it's AC Alone and she's absolutely correct. Bow. Um, we up on a lot of the West Coast underground stuff coming up because I know you have a pretty deep connection to Hyro, which is yeah. you know 
Like, but like, were, were they on your radar? Was like West Coast independent stuff on your radar in Chicago, or was that later? I mean, absolutely. Like, we were. I mean, there was a lot of gangster stuff. I mean, as a kid, it was like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and stuff. But as I started getting into rapping, you know, you can't get into indie rapping or even be a rapper without coming across uh, like Living Legends and um, Hyro, uh, Freestyle Fellowship. Uh, I mean, AC alone, if you are like a, any kind of a technical rapper, you want to, you want to hear what he had going on, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, as far as, I think I was on the radar of casual from hieroglyphics because he's a bit of an A&R himself. And I think uh, he was just searching the internet one day and found some of my stuff and the rest is history. I mean, that's, that's the big homie. He's taught me a lot. And uh, yeah, that's why I have like a good good connection with the West Coast. And uh, I did live out there for a couple of years. Uh, okay. At the, turn, at the turn of the decade. <laughs> the turn of the decade, which yeah, the turn of the decade, not the turn of the century, but yeah. Um, Casual just uh, he's got an album that either just dropped or is dropping, and he was previewing it the other night, and it sounds crazy, though. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, he's been previewing it on live. I've been kind of like DMing him about it, like, yo, like, you about to drop the bomb on him. So that's, <laughs> I'm excited to hear that because he's one of the, I mean, technically, if you're talking about just a technician, like, he's just one of the illest. And, you know, yeah. got all, all like, boxes checked, you know? He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're moving on to our third round of the night. We had a little intermission there due to technical difficulties. This is called Digging in the Crates. These are all sample-related questions. So what it is I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a question, and I'll play you a sample, and you have to answer the question about the sample that you hear. And if you guys are tuning in, and if you have questions for Sam, drop them in that question box. We'll get to it later if we have some time. So our first question is, Jay-Z sampled this musical for his 1998 hit, Hard Knock Life. Is it Cats, Rent, Annie, or Oliver? Be Annie. She says Annie. Absolutely correct. That was when I first really started being a Jay Z fan because it was like Biggie Town over here around my area. Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? Like, people kind of thought Jay-Z was like, all right, you know? Like, now he's obviously a GOAT. But before Hard Knock Life, I wasn't so convinced. When I heard that, it was just... We could get into a whole conversation about, like, using a musical as, like, a very hard street anthem. I mean, that position was, like, mind-blowing. And, um, yeah, hard song still slaps to this day. Kind of crazy if you think about that, like, decades later, Hamilton became, like, a hip-hop Broadway musical, too. And, like, he kind of, like, planted the seed on that. Like, I don't think there was a direct influence, but it still is kind of interesting to see that that was, like, maybe one of the first times that there was that cross-pollination between hip-hop. And and hip-hop, you know? Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of posses on Broadway. We know about that. There there were mad posses on Broadway, but, uh, you know. Exactly. See what I did there. All right, moving on to our next question in the round. Brenda Russell's A Little Bit of Love was most popularly sampled by. I'm going to play you that sample now. 
Was it Ja Rule, Big Pun, Cypress Hill, or Mace? She says it is big pun, and guess what? She is absolutely correct. Uh, hey, all right, doing pretty well so far. I mean, uh, can I tell a fun fact? Of course. On the big, is there a world where I would have said, "Don't tell a fun fact"? We want fun facts. <laughs> big pun. Uh, that that song. Uh, still not a player. Uh, that is the um, the subject of a skit on the new Big Silky Volume One out there on song. Plug, that plug, picture. plug. Yeah, it's at the end of a song called. Uh, uh, by the, <laughs> it's at the uh, end of a song called a uh, baby shower, and I tell us a, a story about actually getting handcuffed and thrown in a cop car, and and taunting the officer because he was not gonna like, let us reference that song. Still not a player. Just listen to the album. It's good. It's a good story. I'm even more confused than I was before, but now you've, you've said okay. a good, like, it's a good preview. It's like, well, now I got to hear what the hell she's talking about. Um, <laughs> baby shower, cop car, big pun, Psalm yeah. 1. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a Mad Lib. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, what well, uh, time does the train get there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they both leave at this time. All right, we're moving on to our final question in this round, song. The Delphonics, Ready or Not, is the sample to which Missy Elliott song? So here is the sample. Is it Sock It To Me? All of My Grill? Get Your Freak On? Or Hot Boys? I'm gonna say A, Sock It To Me. She says Sock It To Me. And that is correct. Song, killing it. I mean, you said you were afraid about being canceled. So far, you've only gotten one wrong. So the, oh, the, I'm, I'm back on it, though, because I got this female rapper question right. So. Yep, yep. You redeemed yourself. You <laughs> were, we were about to. Legally, we could strip you of your title as female rapper, which I know would be painful because if I've learned anything over the years, it's that women who rap love to be categorized only as female rappers. Only as a femc. Please just only call me femc. Femc. You don't even. You don't even know where J J who J Z. That's not even the same genre. It's not. No. no, no. <laughs> All right. So we have reached our final round. So okay. now this is where things switch up a little bit. I'm going to give you the option of three different categories. You get oh. to pick which category you want and you will get 90 seconds to answer five questions oh so our categories are for tonight legal rap side hustles ah. the second category is chemistry and the third because you acknowledge this and we did a little research on you the third is hieroglyphics ah. so you get to pick which category you would like to try to answer five questions in 90 seconds for fuck it let's do chemistry let's get let's rock with the science just doing chemistry and for those who don't know uh before you became a femc and only a <laughs> femc uh you worked you were a chemist correct yes yep i worked as a food chemist in uh chicago heights 
suburb of Chicago for just under uh, just under years, uh, just under two years before I signed my first deal. Yeah, got a degree in chemistry from the University of Illinois. So you could say that you dropped science in order to start okay, dropping yeah. science. In the stay in the lab, drop science, all that. Jokes I'm sure you've never heard before in your <laughs> life. Um, all right, so I have OC's uh, time's up here, time's 90 seconds. So when time is up on the OC, your time is up. Okay. If you don't know the answer, you can pass and we could uh, get back to it. You can also rely on the crowd. Optics, shut up. I don't know what you're saying, uh, Sean, too, but it was under. I'm killing it, Chris. Come on. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. All right, so are you ready? Yeah. All right. The category is chemistry. You have 90 seconds starting now for 10 points. In 2005, this producer teamed with boot camp click rapper Buckshot to release an album called Chemistry. Ninth wonder. That is correct. All right. Minnesota group Ill Chemistry consists of vocalist Desdemona and this beatboxer. Carnage the Executioner. That is correct. For 30 points, The Roots released this demo turned album prior to signing their first major label deal. Do you want more? This is before that. That is incorrect. We can come back ah. to that if you don't know. All right. This rapper released a compilation of B-sides, remixes, and rarities called Iron and Niacin. Called what? Iron and Niacin. Oof. Organics. <laughs> Organics is not correct. Somebody's coming <laughs> in on the last one. Now you're cheating, but that's fine. That's fine. We're going to move on to our final one. Chemical Calisthenics by Black Alicious was produced by this producer slash DJ. Gift to Gab. It was not Gift to Gab. He's the rapper. It was who produced it. All right, we'll go back to the, to the, the first one that you missed. What was the name of the first Roots album before Do You Want More? Is it the one with silent treatment on it? It's before that. It, uh, silent treatment was do you want more? Uh, our time is up, Sam. Our it. time is up. All right, I'll reveal the answers to you. The okay. first Roots album before do you want more was called Organics. 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 You know what? People were saying organic, and I was like, it ain't organic. Okay, yeah, organic. That yeah. one probably broke uh, the rule of chemistry the most. I'll, I'll take a little bit of the L on that. It's hard to come up with five chemistry-related questions, but you probably <laughs> know more. Um, the rapper who released the album called Iron and Niacin was Blueprint. Ah, uh, okay. And Chemical Calisthenics by Black Alicious was produced by Cut Chemist, the DJ from... Jurassic Five. As soon as I, as soon as I, it, it was, I got it. Right under the nose. It's all good. Um, so I'm going to tally up your score. Uh, let the people know. You were talking about you have the album on Bandcamp. Let people know how they can follow you, how they can find you while I do this quick little mental math over here. Uh, at Psalm One is on all the platforms. P-S-A-L-M-O-N-E on Facebook. It is Psalm One Loves You. Someoneloveyou.com is my website. Um, my Bandcamp is where you can support me, like, pretty much directly. Someone.bandcamp.com. I just released uh, Big Silky Volume 1 with Andy Davenport. 
before that just released. Um, before they stop us with optics. My homie Rocky said, represent PDX, of course, my first crew PDX. Um, but yeah, so yeah. Amazing. So, Tom, you uh, scored 120 points, which is a respectable score. We salute you, and you are a champion in our eyes. Hey. And you seem frozen now. Yeah, no, now you're back. Um, Tom, one last question for you. Who would you like to challenge or see come on this show next? Who's somebody that you know, whether it's an artist or a producer or a journalist or, or anybody, who, who do you challenge to come on to the questions next? Who do I challenge? Oh, let me see. You, you have a Chewy, you had Merge, you had, uh, you're having Don Will, right? Don Will is tomorrow. Good plug. Let me, let me throw him up on the screen here. Uh, we're having Don Will on Friday, actually. We're going to have him. We had Open Mike Eagle. We had uh, J.E. from St. Louis. We had Mega Rand. We've had uh, we've had a, a bunch of people. I think you should get Carnage on here. Carnage would be dope. Yeah. Yeah. We should we should reach out to Carnage. That'd be super yeah. dope. Yeah. Um, hey, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh I want to, you know, it was great to connect, reconnect with you. We'll say this is like the first real connect. Um, yeah. And now that we're all quarantined anyway, uh, I look forward to hearing, you know, more stuff. And maybe I'll be sending optics some stuff or sending some stuff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you so much again. We really appreciate your time. We had a great time. Hope you did too. And uh, make sure you guys check out everything someone's got on deck. She's super dope and uh, definitely has a lot of music for you to listen to. So be well and peace. Thanks, peace. Later. Big thank you once again to Psalm One for appearing on the show. Her latest project is her memoir, Her Word is Bond. It is available wherever you can get books. I recommend that you cop that and read it and let me know what you think about it. We got to have Psalm back. I'm not really in the practice of having guests back on to do another you know, round of the game once they've done it, but maybe we can get her to do a making omatic. I feel like that'd be cool. I'm going to have to hit her up. Once again, a friendly reminder, if you like the show, want to support, join that Patreon. In the show notes, patreon.com slash thequestionshiphop. The Questions is a proud member of the Stony Island Audio Network. Check out all the other shows on there. Secret Skin, Super Duty Tough Work, Dad Bod Rap Pod, The Raw Report, Fatherhoods. The Questions is written and produced by me, Sean Kantrowitz. The show's theme song is by Midas the Beast and Czarism. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week. Peace. Stony Island Audio.